Hey folks, Joni here. In case you didn't know, this year marks the 15th anniversary of Groove 8, the funk jazz collective that's toured the world and made Charlotte its musical home. To celebrate Groove 8's crystal anniversary, and yes, that's a thing, we're revisiting our 2019 interview with the band's long-standing members, Antonio Diaz and Keith Watley. So I hope you enjoyed today's conversation, and I hope you stay safe, stay inspired, and stay groovy. I think our music is a melting pot, not of different genres. I think our music is a melting pot of the different influences of the eight musicians in the band. And that goes back to my point about the Charlotte music scene that I love so much. And in fact, that you've got musicians on one night, they could play in a punk band and then come back and play in an R&B band, you know, the next night. And that is who we are. We're a reflection of the Charlotte music scene. I'm Joni Deutsch, and from WFAE in Charlotte, this is Amplifier, the music podcast where we shine a light on the artist who calls Charlotte home. Because Charlotte is more than just a banking city or a football city. So every other Thursday on this podcast, we're going to explore the people, places, and things that help define the Queen City's crown sound. And today, we'll hear from some of the founding fathers of Charlotte Funk, who specialize in creating a soundtrack for the soul. And that's coming up on Amplifier. Amplifier. And then the beat will drop. Amplifier. 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 Can you introduce yourselves and what you do? Uh, my name is Antonio Diaz. I am the percussionist for Groove 8. And my name is Keith Watley. I am the guitar player, the funky guitar player for Groove 8. And Groove 8, as you just mentioned, uh, is a funk band. It's one of Charlotte's longest-running jazz funk collectives. Uh, the band has a pretty impressive resume. A lot of the bandmates have gone on to work with national artists, Prince, Cindy Lauper, Paul Simon, Bette Midler. So go ahead and tell us, how did the band Groove 8 begin? First, I remember when... Antonio was with another band and I would just go over there and hang out with him because I met him through other means and he didn't even know that I played guitar. Nope. <laughs> so one day there was a guitar there and I pick it up and I start showing him said, I didn't know you played guitar, you know, like that. So we just started and they wanted to get another uh, group of musicians together and our whole focus was that we weren't going to play anybody else's stuff. It was going to be original material. And that was it. We would just get together and try to write songs. And that's what I fell in love with, was the ability to create. And then when we play out and I see somebody snapping her foot or snapping her fingers, that's what I love because the music is magic and it got to you.
October 2004 was the first rehearsal that we had. We didn't even have, we weren't Groove 8 then. We were audio form. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were all from different bands yeah. um, that for one reason or another had broken up or on hiatus or things like that. And we just got together and it sounded really good. And we were just playing wherever anybody would let us play. Right, anywhere. If you had like a little coffee shop. Uh, what about uh, the real popular Amelie's right now? Yeah, yeah. Amelie's that used was to be like, another French bakery, yeah. and we played mm -hmm. in the corner there. So, yeah. And we just set up in the corner of the room and start playing, and people would be sipping their wine and stuff like that, and we'd be like, yeah. I made a face, folks. <laughs> you couldn't see it on the radio. But, uh, yeah, and it was fun because we got to interchange with other musicians. We'd always bring people in, and you get ideas, and you learn how to construct songs and you learn the beauty of putting things together and saying, wow, that sounds right. good. Let's go that way. I've seen your music described as a combination of jazz funk. How would you describe your combination of sounds? Um, well, I think the term jazz funk is, uh, it, it actually started in England. The bands were also called acid jazz. And a lot of the UK bands that um, started the soul revolution in England in the 80s and 90s actually coined that term. Um, there are very few jazz funk bands in the United States at that time. Now there's Pretty much anybody can. If you got horns, you can call yourself jazz funk. So I always tell people we're jazz musicians trying to play funk. And so I think our music is a melting pot, not of genres, different genres. I think our music is a melting pot of the different influences of the eight musicians in the band. And that's why we came up with the name Groove 8. Um, and I would suffice to say that I think everybody in this band has played different types of music. And that's that goes back to my point about the Charlotte music scene that I love so much. And the fact that you've got musicians on one night, they could play in a punk band and then come back and play in an R&B band, you know, the next night. And that is who we are. We're a reflection of the Charlotte music scene. I always feel that our music, the word groove, is very much an important part of it because that's what I feel that we do. We make grooves. Now, grooves, you might not be able to dance to it, but you'll shake your head up and down. Right. So it's head-bopping music. I can see somebody, you can sit down, and they're going like this, just hitting their head up and down, up and down, and that means the music is working. It's working. We like to layer things, so we'll start with the drums, lay the bass down, put the little funky guitar, because that's how I learned how to do it back in the days. Then you add the keys on, and then... A lot of our songs, because we have the horn section, they're horn-driven melodies. So the horns can be our singers. 
That's why when you see us on stage, the horns are not to the side. They're front line. We let them show off. Yeah. They're the show-offs. you all to play groups to get into groovy music you, they always say you develop your love for your music between the ages of 14 and 21 I was 14 in 1972 so you had bands like cool in the gang rare earth that's what I like I always remember rare earth because they were like a kind of a, a rock band but they were signed by Motown they were like the first multi cultural yeah. band that Motown signed. So you knew that there was something special about it. I loved Earth growing up because they had like rock fills in their guitars. Then that's when Steely Dan came out. When I first heard Do It Again, I was like amazed. You know, I still am amazed. But all of that was on radio. That there was, was no there's no specific radio genre. Radio was different back then. And oh, one moment you can different. hear you would hear um Led Zeppelin and the very next song would be Earth yeah, Wind and Fire. Yeah. That's how it was back then. Mm-hmm. Um there was an advantage to that for kids that were growing up there in, in those times. And I'm 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 a little bit younger, but I was right behind him. And I I, I learned to groove from my uncle and my father, who were both drummers. And I used to ride with my uncle everywhere. He'd come and get me, I'd be like six years old or whatever. And I was pretty good at basketball and I didn't really want to go with him. He's like, Oh, come and ride with me and play all this music, this Latin music. And me being of mixed race, being black and Hispanic at the same time, I had to, I got to learn this stuff. I got to learn what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that caught my eye, and I think I'll be really old and will never forget this, he had a, his, his wedding uh, finger where his wedding band was, he would do the beat on his steering wheel because steering wheels were metal back then. <laughs> and he would just do the beat. And I said, I want to do that. <laughs> like, who does that? And so that's how I got into percussion. So just that that's how I learned about grooving, just just riding with him every so. So then as I got older, I was like, I'm gonna ride with you. No, you're too you're too old to ride with us. Now you need to go get a drum or something. So that's how I learned about groove. Well, you all are mentioning the bands, the artists that influenced you when you were younger, um, when you're being inspired to get into this line of work. And I think it's fair to say that music has changed a great deal since the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. You know, oh, those yeah. those artists, oh, yeah. you know, Parliament Funkadelic, Earth, Wind & Fire, Sly Stone, mm-hmm. it, they were names. They brought a lot to the table on radio and they were promoted on television, you know, when Soul Train was still a thing. And, oh, and, yes. and things 
aren't like that anymore. I mean, right. in terms of funk and jazz being mainstream on air, uh, you know, you can thank Bruno Mars's 2014 hit Uptown Funk for reminding folks a bit that there's a genre outside of mainstream pop and rock. But the genre that Groove 8 contributes to is not one that's as popular in 2019 and beyond. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, know, I don't mean so, to laugh, but that's so, so you true. have a choice. You have a choice. You could you could give in and and do what the masses want if it's that's all you care about, or you can keep doing your craft. As a matter of fact, I th- I think the younger people in our band are, are pushing some of the songs toward that way. There's a lot of slight pushback on the younger guy. You know, I said this band is not only racially mixed; this band is age mixed. And so there's a in the creative process, you like Keith was saying, you've got to find that common ground. We had a lady that was what, ninety seven years old that's made two of our shows and came this year. Mm-hmm. And we've have kids that love our music. I mean, and for some reason they're amazed. really, really they're drunk people like it. our music. <laughs> they're, they're, kids are amazed because you don't see bands that much. I always tell people you don't eat the same type of food all the time. So why do you listen to the same kind of music? You know, expand your your music vocabulary like you would expand your language, learning new words. Because all that does, to me, it makes you a better person. Coming up, Groove 8 share how Mr. Purple Rain himself, yes, Prince, broke the band up. And how the legendary Quincy Jones himself brought the band back together. That's right after this break on Amplifier. Since Groove 8 released its official debut as a band with your 2007 full length, Mm -hmm. uh, you've had a few different releases to your name. The most recent is from the summer of 2018, and it's titled RPM. That release came out after a six-year break uh, with the band. What encouraged you all to get back to playing? One thing, the reason why we had a, a six-year break is because of um, God Rest His Soul. Prince noticed a couple guys that used to play with us, and he decided that he wanted them to play with him, <laughs> which was a blessing in a way, but it kind of kept us in check because it was really hard to find somebody that we felt comfortable with to take the place of the, the two gentlemen that we adore so much that went on. I remember seeing their first show in Chicago in 2012, um, Adrian and uh, Joey. and uh, But that we were kind of like caught off guard, but it was a wonderful place to be. I remember I still to this day am so fortunate that I was able to see their first actual live performance and I went to Chicago because of uh, I was able to, to to fly in. I took a taxi. I paid forty bucks to go from O'Hare to the United Center, and I didn't mind paying forty bucks for a taxi because I got a free ticket. <laughs> I was sitting in the first row. Now you have to imagine, you don't normally sit in the first row for anything. You don't go to the movie theater and sit in the first row because you can't see anything. I was sitting there. I was so close that I had to look at the screen to see what was going on, right? But when Prince would come over to my part of stage, I could actually see sweat rolling down 
is that's how how close I was. I had George Lopez, a comedian, was sitting to my right side. And I had a young lady on my left side. I, I didn't know who she was until the show was over. She introduced herself to me. And it was James Brown's daughter. I mean, how cool was that? You know, that's just something. You know, life is about memories that all combine to tell your story. That is one of the greatest parts of my uh, life there when I can relate to that night in Chicago, hanging out with Prince and my boys up there playing in the horn section. And I was able to go backstage, and we always complained about, yeah. I couldn't hear anything in the monitor. They were complaining about the same thing right. <laughs> with a multi-million dollar extravaganza show. They're still saying, I couldn't hear myself play it. I'm like, that was so funny to me. I just had to like laugh to myself, you know. But that was a wonderful experience. I'll never forget it. Yeah, the, the six years was really rough on a lot of people, the people that weren't playing with stars and things like that. Mm -hmm. But what you have to do is you just keep writing. And, and, and if you, we got a little, one of the things is, uh, I, I love Adrian Crutchfield, love Joy Rayfield. Adrian's probably the most talented musician in Charlotte, in my opinion. Um, Joey's talented. And Joey was one of the founder members of Groove 8, um, plays trombone. And you can't blame them. You, you, you know, you got to be proud of them. And, um, but one of the things that the rest of us did was concentrate on what the next step would be. And so with a band, a local band like us, that all of a sudden we're playing and then we stop and we're not doing anything at all, it could be suicide because people will forget who you are if you're, if you're not, not doing there. anything. Yeah. And so I think what we did was really smart. We worked, and a lot of bands in Charlotte need to hear this. We worked on the business side while the performance side was idle. And we worked on the brand. We, we got a team around us. We, we, we got people that, that came in and said, you guys aren't really that good. You don't we, we, had, we had a real awakening about what do you want to do with this? We, we don't have a huge following. We have what I call a very rabid following. And if we're not doing something, oh, you... They call you out. They call us out. And to me, that's important. If we had one fan in the world, it's important for us to have responsibility to that one fan. Because that's, that's a blessing. Having a fan is a blessing. Having somebody sit or stand and listen to you, that's a blessing. We would not have the, the contacts that we've been able to, to have over the couple of years if we hadn't had somebody take the time to listen to us. And the one gentleman, uh, David, was so motivated, he went and bought a CD from us, and he wanted his friend to listen to it. So he's, he told us that his friend said that uh, he liked it and that we can give him a call. Well, his friend's name was Quincy Jones. So how cool was that? I mean, yeah. we're like, really? We thought he was, like, joking. Yeah. He said, yeah, I said, I've known him for 40 years. He said, I've never approached him about music because that's not how we met. But I know that's what he does. And I told him, I said, I've known these guys for the last couple of years. I see them every year. Live. Live, live. In, in, not digital. Yeah, live. yeah, in San Francisco. And he said... They're just good guys. So it's important, I believe, to be a good person, too, because people want to help you. So we had somebody that wanted us to be able to do more. So that, make, that made me think, wow, maybe I should care about this a little more. Yeah.
So it, it sounds like Prince broke up the band and, <laughs> and Quincy Jones brought you all yeah, back together. Right. Yeah, that's kind of true, yeah, in a that's, way. That's a way. the first time I've heard that, but that's yeah, exactly that's true. Right. <laughs> Well, your 2018 release, RPM, is all originals. Walk us through the different sounds that a listener can hear with it. RPM is the, um, the title track. And people says, what does RPM mean? And I told them that it basically means whatever you label it as. It can mean real people music because it's a real band playing. It can be real pure music. It can be um, a really pleasurable movement I mean, rhythm mean, people and, yeah, music. Yeah, yeah, rhythmically pleasing. I mean, whatever, it, whatever you want it to mean, that's what it means. I just know that the song in and of itself, when I was coming up with it, I like pieces that that are movement. You know, just something to make you bop your head up and down. I'm bopping my head up and down, people, and um, that's what I liked about it. I'll take a stab at Pulse. It's a song that was actually two songs that were put together, and um, I think that song is the star of the show. song they're just like and it never ends as a musician i'm like i'm I'm still over there i'm like pulse where this ever end it has like (laughs) three different ovations because there's it sounds like the song ended three times and so you kind of like feel selfish about that and you got like a little grin to yourself like aha we got them and so um it's kind of like you're challenging the audience's like will to really like this song like, you, you're giving them a chance, like, in three parts to like this song. So if they don't really like the beginning, eh, it starts out kind of slow. It sounds like it's going to be a ballad. And all of a sudden, it just drives into this hyperspace groove, song. Yeah, and then people are like, wow. I had a guy walk up to me at the Boom Boom Room in San Francisco. He's like, "Is that? can I buy that song? I said, you sure can. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah. that song, can you play it again? Oh, you can't play it again. What's the future of funk? What's the future of hybrid, of jazz, of, of all the things that come together to create what you consider Groove 8? Funk music is an Amer- just like jazz. It's an American-born thing. You know, one of the things that, that's helped it out uh, is the jam band scene. Now, there are a lot of jam bands on the, on the scene 
that call themselves funk bands, and they're really not funk. I mean, I, in, in, my, in my definition of funk, and sometimes I don't even think we're funk. I think we were labeled with that because we have horns and we were jazz musicians and all that, and we have funk influences. But the pure funk, to me, is someone like the old band Cameo. I don't see anyone in the United States no, playing like them. No, right. And so the jam band scene is actually taking control of the funk narrative. And before, you would just see the Grateful Dead, Fish, Mo, the same bands over and over again. Now you've got Carl Denson. Now you've got Galactic. Now you've got the New Orleans Soul Rebels. But, you know, I think they're funk. Mm -hmm. And so I think where the narrative is going to go and answer your question is that I think it's going to be controlled and pushed by Snarky Puppy, Lettuce, Us. Um, when I say us, I mean Groove 8. I mean, I think we're we're on the tier coming up behind these guys. And so I, I think that's where the narrative is going in this country. I think the future funk looks good because I think that when we play, we have a mixed crowd of ages and, and races and everything. So, And, and, young, and the young, younger fans will keep it alive right? because they'll demand it. They'll follow you. When it's about the music, then the band should always play forever as far as I'm concerned. Right. You know, it's not about the personality, it's about the music. Groove 8's latest release is titled RPM, available on Groove8.com and wherever fine music is streamed and sold. Amplifier is a production of WFAE. This episode is written and produced by me, Joni Deutsch. Our editor is Jadon Marshall. Our theme music is provided by Dirty Art Club. Share your favorite Charlotte music recommendations with me on social media. You can tag and follow me. I'm at a change of tune. Amplifier features a new musical episode every other Thursday. So make sure to subscribe to the Amplifier podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find podcasts. And if you're listening on NPR One, make sure to give us a heart or a favorite. Check out the playlist and show notes for today's episode, along with a Charlotte music map and a way for you to submit your music on our website, wfae.org slash amplifier. Until next time, I'm Joni Deutsch. Thanks for listening.